Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Good to see everyone here this morning. I'd like to welcome those listening on the radio and those watching on Facebook Live. I know many of you are able to watch because you're traveling or you're homesick or you slept in from last night's concert. We're glad that you're able to join us as well. I want to start this morning with a little pastoral talk before I get into the text, if you're okay with that. It's going to be pretty heavy. I just want to warn you uh, up front. And for those of you who are visitors, we don't usually talk about this. I'll, like, I've never talked about this uh, since I've been here, so I'm just going to just pause before we get into the text. One of the greatest gifts that you can give your spouse or your family is to plan your memorial service while you're still alive. There is no more stressful time than when a family member has passed away or is passing away. And at VBC, we give you a chance to be prepared beforehand by completing something that we call a memorial service planning form. And I realize this is not really fun to talk about, but it's important to take some time while you're still alive to put your ideas down about what you want included in your service and it will alleviate a lot of stress later. And we have these forms available for you on the kiosk in the lobby. You can take them home, fill them out, bring them back, and we'll keep them on file for you because we, wanna, we want to alleviate a lot of stress during that time where it's a difficult time. Now I wanna to talk to you briefly about your memorial service. I know this is freaking some of you out, but let's talk about it, all right? Your memorial service will be a time of celebration, not a celebration that you're gone from this life, but a celebration that you're just getting started with life. During a memorial service, what we do here at BBC is that we celebrate your life and that Jesus Christ redeemed you and saved you. And what I do at memorial services when I preach them is I want to give the gospel and I appeal to the living to repent and to put their faith in Jesus, who is the only way to heaven? And this is my appeal to the living. However, I never make the appeal to the one who has passed on. And the good news about this morning is I am speaking to the living. For the most part. <laughs> And we get to talk about Jesus. And this is your opportunity, if you don't know Christ, to put your faith in him, to trust him, to live with him forever. And it's, it's what we're going to see in this amazing, redemptive context as we've been studying the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. It's an it's amazing love story. God's love story. Love story between Boaz and Ruth, and I know we've been talking about some pretty heavy stuff here in, in the um, intro, so I just want to bring it down a little bit and, and, and tell you a joke. I don't tell jokes, but I'm going to tell a joke, and uh, it's a joke that only this congregation would appreciate. And if you know the answer to this, don't blurt it out, okay? I just heard this joke this week, okay? What was Boaz before he married Ruth? Ruthless. Yeah, all right. I'm done. 
No more, all right? Some of you are just getting that, all right? <laughs> what we're doing as we're studying here in chapter 4 is Boaz is going to step up and fulfill his redeemer responsibilities in redeeming Ruth. Except there's been a little snag in the plan. We have some other guy in the picture, you know. Sometimes when people are dating, there's often another guy who comes in the picture. Not quite the scenario here, but kind of close. Boaz wants to step up, marry Ruth, redeem her life out of destitution, and yet he can't do that because there is another man who is a closer relative. What's going to happen? It's tense. We don't know. Will Boaz end up with Ruth? And so here's the gist where we're going today. I'm going to give you one slide and one slide only. I'm going to go ahead and put that up right now. It's that redemption will come at great personal cost, but can be achieved if compelled by love. I'm going to say it again. Redemption will come at great personal cost, but can be achieved if compelled by love. And that's going to be a description of Boaz today and ultimately a description of Jesus Christ and his redemption of us. So let's go ahead and jump into the text. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz was passing by. So he said, turn aside, friends, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Now this is the gate. This is the area of great foot traffic. They're flowing in and out of the city as people are coming in and out to go to work. You have travelers coming in and out. And at this gate, there's also a place of significant responsibilities, civic responsibilities, as legal transactions and legal issues would be settled by the authorities that were presiding there. Now, Boaz is not looking for a law court decision because this is not a legal issue. It is not a legal dispute. It's more of an administrative family matter that will be worked out in front of the authorities. So while Boaz is waiting by the gate, look what happens. Just notice it. That all of a sudden, behold, a relative or the redeemer of Boaz had spoken, came by. God has been in the details of the book of Ruth this whole time. And all of a sudden, this redeemer, this relative, just so happens to be walking by. And Boaz grabs him. And I want you to notice that Boaz calls him friend. Friend. You see it there? Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. The translation in Hebrew for friend is the Hebrew poloni almoni. Poloni Almoni, which is better understood as nameless Mr. So-and-so. This is Mr. What's-His-Face. This is Mr. Nobody. The narrator doesn't even use his name because the man does not deserve to have his name mentioned in history. He is simply known as Mr. So-and-So. So Mr. What's-His-Face comes over and sits down, and Boaz takes over from there. Verse 2. He took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Ten men, these civic elders of the land, must be a quorum of sort to have ten. They assemble over authoritative matters and they make decisions and they've all come over. Verse 3. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So, 
I thought to inform you, saying, But before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Boaz is strategic. He doesn't say, please let me marry Ruth. I love her and I want to marry her. Notice so far, he doesn't even mention Ruth. He's like, oh, let me tell you. Remember Elimelech? Well, his widow has just come back and she has to sell a piece of land. And you know that according to tradition and custom and biblical law, we need to keep this land within her family because land will be passed down to generation to generation. But Naomi is so poor, she has to sell her land. So you, you're the relative. You need to step up and you need to buy that land and keep it in the clan and the line of a lemon like. And the Redeemer's like, absolutely, I'll redeem it. That is a great deal. He's like, I'll take the good deal and I'll be patted on the back for a good deed. Because not only am I going to buy the land, I'll take care of Naomi, but since she's not going to have any kids and since she's old, she will die soon. And once she dies, then I'll have the land all to myself. So appearance of things, it looks like a good deed combined with a good deal. And then Boaz is like, I forgot to mention something. Verse 5. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. Do you love that? Oh, by the way, one more thing. The day you buy the field, you also get Ruth the Moabitess, whom you have to marry. Because it was the obligation of the Redeemer not only to keep the field in the line of Elimelech, but also to marry the widow in order to perpetuate the children, the descendants who will stay with the land on and on and on. So get this. The man's like, okay, so it was a good deal and it was appeared to be a good deed, but now the good deed is gone and all I'm left Actually, the good deal is gone and all I'm left was a good deed. So what will the man do where the good deal is gone, all that's left is a good deed? Look at verse 6. The closest relative said, no, 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 no. I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption for I cannot redeem it. Now the Redeemer pulls out. He was all in when it was a good deal combined with a good deed, but the good deal's off the table, then the good deed would be too costly. And notice that he says, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Huh. So redemption comes at a great cost. How would it jeopardize his own inheritance? Maybe he's thinking like this. You know, it's really expensive raising kids these days. And if I got to take care of Naomi, then I marry Ruth, and then they have kids, and then that piece of land, it stays in that line, doesn't go with me and my line. So no, 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 it's, it's way too expensive. It's going to jeopardize my inheritance. No, I, I, don't, I don't want to do it. No, 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 I do not want to redeem. You do it. And one of the things I want to tell you this morning is that if I'm understanding the law right, 
It was probably his right to redeem, but not his obligation. He could just walk away. And he did. And it makes me think that you're going to have opportunities in your life to step up and do something in situations that are difficult, dealing with vulnerable people, people are going through some hard times, and you're going to have an opportunity to step up and do something, but you're not obligated to do so. And in fact, you can take a pass and you can move on. And I'm not going to condemn you. Most people won't even know. You can just take a pass. But let me tell you this. If you take a pass like this guy did, Mr. What's-His-Face, Mr. So-and-So, your faith will not be held up to be imitated. No one's going to look at you and say, that's exactly what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so I press it upon you right now. If someone looked at your life, would they say, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus right there. That guy, that's what it means to follow Christ. That girl, that's what it means to follow Christ. Or is it going to be, yeah, just Mr. What's-His-Face, Mrs. So-and-So, doing their thing. Or will you be worthy to be imitated because that's what it looks like. You see, this is what this book is getting at. That Boaz is that guy. He is a model Israelite. He is going to step up to redeem at great cost to himself, but he does it because he is compelled by love. And we follow a redeemer who steps up, redeems us from sin at great cost to himself, hanging on the cross, and he did it as he is compelled by love. And in turn, we're supposed to do the same. Well, let's finish up here on this little story. Verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption in the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another. And this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. You know, in our times, when we close a deal, it would involve a lot of paperwork and notaries and lawyers. But back then, the transition and the transaction would be as simple as transfer of sandals. So Mr. So-and-so takes off a sandal, foregoing his rights to redeem, and he hands it over to Boaz. And you're going, what's the deal with the sandal? Well, it may be associated with power and, po and possession. And it's like this. It's like, a, imagine this guy having his foot on the land. He takes his foot off the land, and he picks up Boaz's foot, and he sticks Boaz's foot on the land, indicating that that is your land. That's kind of what's going on here, but it's a, it's a sandal. And, and can you imagine Boaz being so excited that he runs to Ruth, and he doesn't have flowers. He doesn't have a ring, but he kneels down and gives her a sandal. So romantic. <laughs> Verse 9. Then Boaz, this is the way he makes it official. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, 
the widow of Malam, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. So the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. So no legal documents. Boaz gets real specific and he spells out all the details before the elders of the land. And the numerous witnesses see that Boaz is not pursuing a good deal, but a good deed. So they not only authorize his redemption, but now they start to bless him. Look at verses 11 and 12. Look at this blessing. All the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Isn't that great? They're like pronouncing a blessing on him. May you have multitude of children. May you be famous. May Ruth be like Rachel and Leah. Those are the founding mothers of Israel. And may you and Ruth have all these kids and be blessed. And may you be famous, just like the house of Perez, whom the foreigner Tamar bore to Judah, produced famous offspring that spawned the likes of Boaz and his clan. And so Ruth and Boaz they're going to have this famous family and may their legacy endure. And we're still talking about them today. We're still talking about them today. Why? Because Boaz, at great cost to himself, stepped up to redeem Ruth, compelled by love, and descended upon descendants, upon descendants, upon descendants, upon descendants, we get the Messiah, Jesus Christ who also stepped up to redeemed at great cost to himself, compelled by love. And we are sitting here today, and we have been the recipients of that grace and that redemption, and now us are to step up, love other people, step up in difficult circumstances at great cost to ourselves, compelled by love. Now, this is all good in theory. But the question is, why are we not too moved by this? Why are we not too phased by this? We, we understand the logic of it, and we understand what the Word of God is saying. But if we're honest and being totally honest, the gospel truth of God's redemption in Christ often lands flat on a daily basis. We're supposed to be compelled by love to others, no matter what the cost, but it's also disconnected from our hearts and our heads, and, and we often opt out rather than opt in. We opt out like Mr. So-and-so. When we're faced with a situation where we really can step up and we say, you know, if it's okay with you, I'm going to just kind of sit this one out. Well, why is that? How can we get in the Word of God on Sunday morning and then not be phased by it on Monday, Tuesday, and the rest of the What's the deal with us? What's the deal with our hearts? And, and I think if I could pinpoint the issue from this story and pinpoint the issue this morning in my heart, it's this. I think we forget that we are Ruth. We've been studying for several weeks, and we see that Ruth is at the bottom of the bottom. She's poor, and she is destitute. Naomi's like, do not come back with me. If you come back with me, you're going to be poor and you're going to suffer. Ruth follows you back. 
and she would stay in this condition of poverty and suffering and destitution unless Boaz stepped up. And if we make the connection to us, it should see that we are spiritually destitute in our sins. Do we understand apart from Christ, we'll be lost and we spend eternity in hell, separated from the Father forever, destitute in our situation, separate from the Father because of our sins. And yet, Jesus Christ intervenes to redeem at great cost to himself, compelled by love, sacrificed on the cross, bearing the wrath of the Father, buried, rose again. And the good news is that anyone can get in on this through faith in Christ. That is to move us to step up. That is to move us to step out and engage those who are suffering, to engage those who are hurt, to serve. Why? It's going to cost us a lot, but we are compelled by love as one who is compelled by love to redeem us. So we step out in situations and serve others. And we have no greater reminder than this morning that highlights our destitution than this table right here. You see this this table right here? It reminds us of our spiritual destitution and Christ's redemption at great cost to ourselves. Right here, we have a reminder this morning that we were lost in our sins and Christ intervened. And if he didn't, we'd be lost forever. And we remember by taking the bread that his body was broken, we, we, we drink and like, oh, his blood was spilled to turn away wrath. It is a table of destitution that turns into the table of redemption. And we get to remember that right now. This is good news. This is a celebration. And we welcome all of you whether you're a member of this church or not, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have acknowledged your spiritual destitution and separation from God and cried out for mercy, you can take this meal. You can take this meal if you truly follow Jesus Christ. You're not playing games. You're not doing this whole thing that just because you're born in this country, automatically you're a Christian. No, you actually trust Jesus to save you from your sins. If you are a follower of Christ, you can take this meal rejoicing. And it's also a meal that you can take if you're not messing around. If you're not off in a season where you're drifting and you're all over the place, you're not trusting Christ, you're caught up in sin, you've fallen away, don't go through the motions here. Examine your life. See if you're trusting Christ today and following him. Not perfectly, but you're following him. This is the meal of those who are just come to the Lord empty-handed and say, I need you, I need grace. And grace is always available. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.